you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. When did you last feel like that about a shopping experience? And when did your customers last feel like that about you? Hey there, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This one is episode 94 and I am Oliver Banks, your host for this podcast and your guide to delivering successful retail transformation. Frustration points drive customers away from your brand. I'm sure you know that, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that out either, right? We're talking about customer experience a huge amount in the industry, before the pandemic and still now afterwards as well. And there are plenty of stats out there which broadly point in the same direction. One example is Salesforce's research, which says that 51% of customers say that most companies fall short of their expectations for great experience. But frustration isn't about falling short. Frustration is about much more than that. Falling short is essentially excessive friction and missed opportunities. But frustration is more basic. It's more actually emotional as well, I would say. And really what's happening when we're talking about frustration is that One side is making and then breaking a set of expectations. And when that is the retailer making and breaking the expectations of the customer or for the customer, that ends up as a frustrating experience. Really, it's all about not delivering what's expected. So let me tell you a story for just a second. So once upon a time... Why aren't all stories beginning with once upon a time anymore? I think it's a great way to start a story. (laughs) Once upon a time, I wanted to get some canvases printed, you know, photo canvases. Great. There are plenty of places. So I found a retailer who I've used in the past and I've trusted them, which is great. So I decided to go for them. I looked at the prices. They seemed pretty reasonable. And they offered same day service as well, which was like fantastic. Amazing. Let's do this. Let's do this same day service. So I start uploading my pictures to create this canvas. And then I get to the checkout page. And suddenly the price is double what I'm expecting. The price shown right on the front page was there. And then by the time I've got to checkout and I've selected my same day service, it's massively doubled. And what's happened here is that the retailer in the tiny small print did officially say that same day service had a different pricing structure, but it didn't show it, not clearly. And it was very much sold on this is the price and you can get same day service as well. So I'm feeling a little frustrated at this stage. I've been cheated. I feel like I've been cheated, but I do want them same day. So I surge ahead. I hit the delivery order timeline and I'm expecting to go out and get them later on in the day. So Day continues on and it gets to about three o'clock and I get a phone call and I think, oh, great, that must be the canvases ready for collection. And it is. It is the Photoshop, which is uh, which which is fantastic. And they say, hello, Mr. Banks, your canvases will be ready to collect at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, but I ordered them same day. And they turn around and say, 
well, we can't do same day. We don't have enough time to actually print out the canvas and then create it. (laughs) Which is kind of a frustration when you're selling a same day service, right? So, you know, my hands are tied by this stage. There is nothing really I can do to get my canvas made on time as it's been sold. So the next day I set out for the store to go and pick up my canvas and then I get there and I look at it and the printing's gone around the side. They've got the tape which has been used uh, during the construction over the edges as well and it just looks like a really poor quality thing. And again, it's another frustration. So we've got a frustration from a sort of a miscommunication of the pricing. We've got a frustration from not delivering the timescales that have been very clearly sold. And we've got a frustration over the quality as well. This is a really fantastic shopping experience, right? Absolutely wrong. Am I going to use that retailer again for getting some more canvases printed? I think we all know the answer, right? And this is happening all day, every day, across many, many, many different retailers. This isn't a standout experience, I don't believe. There've certainly been other times in the past where all of those examples have come true. And when they stack up as well, and you get you get a triple whammy or, or even more, right, in a single customer experience, then that starts to get pretty bad in terms of brand reputation, in terms of trust, in terms of ongoing loyalty for that customer. So I'm sure you are with me. Frustrations are a bad thing, but they get missed all of the time. None of these problems are difficult problems to fix. I'm sure you'll agree with me. None of them are superiorly difficult technical challenges to overcome. They're all very, very basic needs. And you could have the wizziest website in the world and the slickest automation and all the AI in the world. But if you are falling down on all of these, like I say, very basic elements, then that is a recipe for disaster. In these situations, the retailer has set and then broken the expectation of the customer. In the story, they set the expectation of price. They broke it. They set the expectation of timelines. They broke it. And the quality was an expectation that I set myself as almost a going in position. I assumed it would be of an acceptable quality. And I'm sure you can think of plenty of other examples where expectations are made or assumed and then broken. Maybe it's having to spend excessive amounts of time on hold to a customer service agent. Maybe it's about asking a question of a staff member and they just don't have the information to hand when you feel like you're wasting time. Maybe it's about actually being charged more than you should be for a purchase. You know, you buy something for 10 bucks, 10 pounds, whatever. You know, maybe a promotion hasn't been applied or whatever that is, and you end up getting charged 12. That's a frustration, right? So at the back end of last year, Accenture found that in a worldwide survey of 20,000 consumers, that 47% of frustrated customers said that they would avoid doing business with the retailer again in the future. And I'm sure that will not surprise you, but it does absolutely paint the picture that a frustrating experience significantly damages brand loyalty as well as reputation. And I'm sure you know this as well, but that Salesforce research study earlier said that 62% of customers 
say that they share a bad experience with other people. And obviously with social media and everything in this current day world, that can cause some big reputational damage to your brand too. So frustrations hurt. It's not just about confusion or the lack of something, as I mentioned earlier on. Those are more frictions or missed opportunities. A frustration is much more basic in my viewpoint. It's a failure of the operation. It's a failure of the operating model as well, by the way. There has been an expected level and it's just not been fulfilled. You've essentially made a promise to a customer and then you have broken that promise. So of course the customer is likely to get annoyed or frustrated just as if another person made a promise to you and then they broke it. That would make you feel annoyed or frustrated or disappointed. And I'm sure you can think of examples where that's happened, whether it's a person or a retailer, and you have had your expectations and your promises absolutely dashed and thrown back in your face. So don't do this. And this really boils down to really understanding the offering or the proposition or the promise that you are making to your customers. And it's not just all about the very clear promises that perhaps sit on a a terms of sale or some other boring legal document, or even, frankly, some advertisement or poster or whatever that looks like. Equally, the base level of expectation, that hidden level of expectation, is continually evolving. And thinking about the quality element of my story, my experience, that's what's happening here. As time continues, our own expectations as consumers, as people continues to evolve and that bar gets set ever higher and it's not clearly defined and it's also different person to person as well so it's difficult to really get your hands around. Perhaps for some customers the tape going over the edges was okay but for me it wasn't. And what's happening here as companies continue to deliver in the marketplace on any number of factors the consistency level is remembered subconsciously by customers. And that is then what they are expecting next time round. So for example, if you look at delivery, and obviously Amazon have pushed the bar up incredibly high for delivery. Rewind a few years, one day delivery would have been like, wow, that's amazing. But now with the likes of Amazon Prime, it's becoming more and more a standardized offer. And when you see a website and it says allow seven days for delivery, you're kind of like, wow, that's slow, right? So it becomes more and more basic. And then if you don't deliver to that, it also becomes a frustration as well, right? So it becomes more and more basic and that invisible expectation has been set by consumers. And if you don't hit that in your proposition, then that's going to cause frustration as well. And equally, if you over deliver consistently as well, that's also going to raise the bar even further for your own customers. And that's what they'll expect from both you and the marketplace as well. And I think that's probably what's happening more and more with Amazon, actually, to be honest. So what's going on here is perfectly represented by something called the Kano model. This is a 1984 concept by Dr. Noriaki Kano from the Tokyo University of Science. And what Dr. Kano discovered was that customer satisfaction was more than just an assessment of the functions or features of a, a product or a service. It moves away from a more is better understanding of the marketplace into a, an understanding of what is being expected by your customers. 
And in Dr. Kano's model or the Kano model, there are basically three key elements. And I'm going to put a diagram on the show notes page to help illustrate this for you. So head over to obandco.uk slash 94 to see this. But essentially, you've got some threshold attributes. These are the basic features that your customers expect as standard. For example, if you were to book a hotel room, you expect it to have a lock on the door. You expect it to have fresh linen on the bed and you expect it to have some running water, right? And if they're not present, you get frustrated. So next, you then move on to the performance attributes or the satisfiers. Now, these are elements that are not necessary, but they do increase the customer satisfaction almost the more you do add. In that same hotel room example, if you find that you've got Wi-Fi in your room, you're more satisfied. Hooray! If it's not there, it's not a dissatisfier. It's just neutral, if you like. And then the third element is about an excitement attribute or a delighter. Now, these are the surprise elements that really help to boost your experience. They help to really drive up your customer satisfaction. And I'm sure you can think of lots of examples of what would delight you. But ultimately, these are the features that customers don't even know that they want. But when they get them, wow, what an amazing thing. Now, there are a couple of really important things to understand about this model. And I do encourage you to go and see the diagram obandco.uk slash 94. But firstly, brand new innovations start as a delighter. And then as it becomes more commonplace, it works its way down into being a satisfier. And then eventually it works its way down into being more of a basic element. Think about electric windows on a car. When they first came out, wow, what an amazing thing. I can just push a button and the window goes up or down in the car. Amazing. Then after a while, they became more standard, right? And now, if there was a brand new car and it didn't have electric windows, you'd be really left scratching your head wondering, why didn't they put them in? It's just normal, right? Think of a smartphone. When Steve Jobs first launched the iPhone, having a phone and MP3 player and internet was considered a wow factor. And then it became standard. And now, if you didn't have the internet on your phone, you'd Again, you'd be left a bit confused, right? So innovations work their way down the Kano model and become more standard and more basic over time. So it's absolutely worth considering what are the big innovations in your area, your sector, your service, your product that work their way down to become more standard and then to become more basic or expected quality. And equally, by the way, if you're looking for a few new ideas, I'd expect the opposite to come true. So if you have something that was once considered basic that then dissipates perhaps from a cost-cutting element and it's just not seen anymore, reintroducing that, I bet it would work its way back up to standard and then back into being a delighter. And a good example of that is high touchpoint customer service that kind of disappeared for a number of different reasons from many, many retailers. And if you reintroduce that now, it would be like a wow factor, right? So consider the Kano model on your offering, on your operation, and consider how the different elements, particularly the innovative elements that perhaps you've been proud of in the last few years, you know, whether it's a delivery timescale or some other offering, it becomes more standard and then it becomes more basic. So remember this, 
and consider how customer expectations are continuing to change. They are continuing to shift from delighter through to more expected performance. So all of these frustrations come down to this broken promise or missed expectation. This is not because you do not have a technical enough operating model. This is because of a failure of the operating model. The more it fails, the more frustration you're going to be giving your customers. So it's really it's an operational challenge. And I get that it's hard, especially at the moment with everything going on right now. You know, there have been so many changes and it can be really hard to keep up with different legislation and proposition changes. But I can guarantee you, your customers are staying up to date. If it's good for them, you know, if they are looking at different returns policies or delivery timescales and so on, they know what the standard is. So it's up to you to understand their expectation and again, continue to deliver to that. But how can you right now, how can you find the different sources of frustration in your business and what should you do about them? Well, there are essentially three different ways of finding frustration that I've got laid out for you today. So the first way won't surprise you at all. And it's about listening to your customers and listen to those that do listen to your customers, your store colleagues, perhaps. Now, this is pretty obvious, but often it's just not done. So do make sure you do actually listen to your customers. Don't listen to what you think they want. Don't listen to what you want to hear, but listen to the full story. Listen to what they're expecting or what they perceive to be the promises that your brand is making to them. But if you do this and you find the frustration, then it's obviously a little late because that frustration has probably already happened. So how can you be a bit more proactive about finding the frustration? Well, the second idea I have for you today is to shop in your own shop as a customer. Go through all of the different stages of the customer journey across multiple different channels and different touch points, just like a customer would engage with your brand. So maybe that's about going shopping when you're fully laden with bags, whether it's going shopping perhaps with young kids that are hungry and tired. Maybe that's about engaging with the brand on social media and seeing what's exciting you compared to other companies in the same sector or category. Maybe it's about going in to register as a new customer. Don't use your login. Don't use your staff discount. Don't walk into a shop with your name badge on that tells everyone that you're working in the same team because you get treated differently. And actually, by the way, in the current climate where more and more people are wearing masks, maybe it's even mandatory. What a great opportunity to do some secret shopping in your own brand where you're not going to be recognized, right? This could really help you to understand what your customers experience day in, day out. Try browsing, try buying, try returning. Try raising an issue with customer service. See what happens. See how you get treated. Ask questions. Read the communications. Don't take things for granted. See how you feel, how you are treated. And then identify the potential opportunities for frustration as you go through that journey across all those different touch points and different moments, as I say. And then the third item is about reviewing your operating model. Here, this is really about understanding the promises that you are making to your customer and whether you are actually delivering to those promises. If you are promising same day delivery, 
And you know you don't do that, perhaps in some of your stores, it's okay. But if you don't do that across the board, you can't use that across the board or you're just going to end up with frustration. So look at the operating model. Highlight the different elements of the proposition where promises are being made and then challenge yourself. Do you really have the measures in place that allow you to see if you are delivering that promise or if you are leaving your customers to get frustrated? And you can, of course, do this in brand new operating models as well as existing operating models as well to help get on the front foot. And think of the Kano model and remember that the bar is continually getting set higher and higher and also that other promises may be expected or assumed by your customers if your competitors are consistently driving that performance. Stay aware of what is going on in the market and what your customers are expecting. And think about all those different elements as they go from delighter into more standard and into more basic elements. So as I said at the very beginning of the episode, I'm sure you can think of lots of examples where you, as a consumer, have experienced frustration with another company. You know that's not good news. You know that's a bad thing. But what are you doing to really challenge that? What are you doing to make sure that you are not being frustrating for your customers, right? What promises are you breaking? What expectations are you setting and then not delivering? What is your customer assuming? Do make sure that you find those different elements of frustration across your proposition, across your operating model. And I laid out for you three ways to help find frustration. Number one was about listening to your customers, really with open ears as well. Number two was about going shopping as a customer would and really not taking things for granted, really testing out the entire journey across lots of different touch points and seeing how it all works. Not going in with your name badge, not logging in with your account that's already all pre-set up and everything. And then finally, review your operating model and work out where the promises are that you are setting and whether you have the metrics in place to assess if you are really delivering them or if you're leaving your customers frustrated. In this super competitive retail landscape that we find ourselves in right at the moment, there is very little room for error. And frustration is just not good enough, frankly. Frustration is the sort of thing that will get your customers to shop elsewhere and they will not be coming back. I think over the past few months with the coronavirus pandemic, customers have probably been a little bit more lenient with many retailers. They've been a bit more accepting of the situation. But that is changing. Customers are once again getting more demanding and they are going to be holding you up to some very high standards. So do make sure that you are not frustrating your customers needlessly. Don't be making the silly mistakes that end up frustrating customers and losing business now and in the future. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Do remember to hit subscribe in your usual podcast app so you can continue to tune in to new episodes which come out every single week. And do head over to the show notes page as well, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 94. And you can see the Kano model as well as some of the other notes from today's episode. And hey, Sign up for my retail transformation briefing as well. It's absolutely free and it's an email that comes out to you every single week 
that fills you in on the big headlines in the world of retail transformation. It's going to help identify the new delighters in the marketplace so you don't get left on the back foot. So you can sign up, like I say, for free over at obandco.uk slash 94. And I will look forward to joining you in the next episode coming at you very, very soon. Bye for now. 